My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Tuesday the 14th of August. I'm Zara. I'm Sam. And on today's Deep Dive, we've heard that highly regarded author Salman Rushdie will likely lose an eye after he was viciously attacked at a lecture over the weekend in New York. He's had three decades with a price on his head and we will be getting into that in the Deep Dive. But first, Sam, what is making headlines this morning? Former Prime Minister Scott Morrison is back in the headlines. He hasn't been there in a while. while. Governor-General David Hurley yesterday confirmed that he signed documents to allow Morrison to secretly swear himself into additional portfolios. In a statement, Hurley said, the decision whether to publicise appointments to administer additional portfolios is a matter for the government of the day. In an Australian first, Emily Burke has been appointed the South Australian Assistant Minister for Autism. Burke, who is also the Assistant Minister to the South Australian Premier, said of her appointment that it will begin a whole-of-government autism inclusion strategy. To some international news now, and five members of US Congress have arrived in Taiwan less than a fortnight after US Speaker Nancy Pelosi visited. In a statement, Taiwan's Foreign Affairs Ministry thanked the, quote, like-minded delegation for the timely visit and unwavering support. And finally, in some good news, the inaugural AFLW clash between Essendon and Hawthorne has been moved, and the reason it has been moved is because tickets sold out so quickly. So the new venue is Melbourne's Marvel Stadium, and that has capacity for over 50,000 ticket holders, which is just incredible. In breaking news, author Salman Rushdie has been attacked while giving a speech in western New York. Witnesses say a man jumped onto the stage just as the event was getting underway and began punching and stabbing Rushdie. Sam, over the weekend we were texting on Saturday morning and we got news that Salman Rushdie, who is a very, very well-known author and poet, had been attacked in New York and was really, really alarming because it wasn't clear if he was actually going to make it. Now, Salman Rushdie is a man whose life has been about pushing boundaries and standing up for his values, even when it has endangered him. Let's take a step back, though. For those who might not be as familiar with his work, who is Salman Rushdie? Okay, so Salman Rushdie is a celebrated author and a commentator. His books often explore themes like religious turmoil, colonialism and the immigrant experience. Rushdie was born in India in the last days of English colonial rule. He grew up in Mumbai, but he moved to England where he then attended a prestigious high school, later going to university at Cambridge. He was raised Muslim, but he now describes himself as, quote, a hardline atheist. As an adult, he has lived both in England and America. He's won a bunch of awards as well. He won a Booker Prize and he was also knighted by the Queen in 2007. Okay, so we have a prolific writer, but what is it about this author that made him so controversial? Okay, so we have to go back to September 1988. That is when Salman Rushdie published his fourth novel. It was called The Satanic Verses, and it draws on the life of the Prophet Muhammad 
And in part, it is satirical. And this satire was what attracted criticism from religious leaders, and they labelled it as blasphemous. So Rushdie's book was published in September, and by October of the same year, he already needed a bodyguard. The book was banned in one Muslim-majority country after another, and by December, there were thousands of demonstrators in England burning a pile of his books. In Islamabad, the capital of Pakistan, six people were killed in a mob attack on the US Cultural Centre, and there were also riots in India, and all of this stemmed from this Satanic Verses book. So that was 1988. We're now 34 years later and still talking about it. Yeah, so one of the reasons tensions about this book have remained so high for so long is because of a man called Ayatollah Khomeini. Okay, and pause there. Who's he? He was the religious leader of Iran from 1979 until his death in 1989, and he was this incredibly powerful figure. He led the revolution, which overthrew the Shah, who was the previous leader of the country, and he transformed Iran into the world's first Islamic republic. Khomeini was declared Iran's political and religious leader for life, and so Iran really changed under him. It became a place where women had to wear veils in public and cultural imports like Western music, books and films were all banned. So this is obviously not a place where a Salman Rushdie satirical portrayal of Muhammad is going to be hugely popular. Exactly, but it goes one step further than this. So Satanic Verses contains a dream sequence which satirises a religious leader that was actually based on Khomeini himself, and needless to say, this did not go down well. In February of 1989, just five months after the book was published, Khomeini issued a fatwa or a religious decree against Rushdie. He put a $3 million bounty on his head, so that's roughly $10 million Australian dollars today, and called for him to be executed on behalf of the Iranian government. He didn't just call for Rushdie's execution, but also everyone involved in the book's publication. Rushdie himself went into hiding and that was assisted by the British government and he lived in a fortified safe house for most of the next decade. But it should be said that not everyone related to the book survived. What were some of the ripple effects of the book? So in July 1991, the novel's Japanese translator Hitoshi Igarashi was stabbed to death. Later, its Italian translator Ittore Capriolo was wounded. In October 1993, Norwegian publisher William Nygaard was shot three times and seriously injured. And is this fatwa still in place today? Khomeini, the religious leader who issued the fatwa against Rushdie, died in 1989, as I said, but the fatwa and the bounty were still upheld. Until 1998, when then-President Mohammed Khatami said that the country no longer supported Rushdie being killed. Though it must be said that there wasn't really a calling off of the fatwa either, Basically, the government of the day said they would neither support nor hinder threats against Rushdie's life. And since then, Rushdie has re-emerged into public life. So he was in hiding for a period and he since has re-emerged. So he's been part of public life now for two decades, but he's just been attacked over the weekend. What do we know about this incident so far? Yeah, so this brings us to this past weekend where Rushdie was scheduled to speak at the Chautauqua Institution, which is a not-for-profit arts and education centre in New York. Rushdie was on stage when he was stabbed 10 to 15 times by a man dressed in black and wearing a mask. Luckily, there was a doctor in attendance who assisted Rushdie until an ambulance arrived and the attacker was immediately arrested by police at the event who were there as security for Rushdie. The police then held a press conference to confirm the identity of the attacker. 
the suspect has been identified as Haiti Matar, age 24, from Fairview, New Jersey. So Matar was arrested soon after. Where is he now? He appeared in court on Saturday where he entered a not guilty plea to charges of attempted murder and assault, and he's currently being held without bail. And what about Rushdie? What's the latest on his condition? Well, as I said, it was fairly tense over the weekend waiting to hear if he was going to make it, and it certainly wasn't clear whether or not that would happen. But by Sunday, we had been told that he was off the ventilator and on the road to recovery. That said, Rushdie is likely to lose one eye, the nerves in his arms were severed, and his liver was stabbed and damaged. But despite this, Rushdie's son has issued a statement saying that though his life-changing injuries are severe, his usual feisty and defiant sense of humour remains intact. We're still waiting to hear what the long-term impact will be for the author, but uh, I think it's fair to say he's lucky to be alive. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you did learn something today, we'd really appreciate if you could give us a five-star rating wherever you do your listening. It helps new listeners find us. Have a great day and we will chat to you tomorrow morning.